Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Now, we have been talking about prayer for a long time. Uh, we've talked about some, some specific keys of praying effectively and with power, overcoming barriers and, and excuses. We've talked about using the name of Jesus. And by the way, you understand as we talked about prayer, we've looked at so many additional things or things that go with it. As we talked about prayer in the name of Jesus, we look at the power of the name of Jesus and that we have been given his name that has power. And that's important for us to know who we are in Christ. We learned the importance of praying the word, the Bible, the scripture, applying the word to our lives. So we saw the importance of meditating on the word, of saying it, confessing it. We looked at the fact that in prayer, we recognize, we call out to our Father. We talked about the God who is our Father. And your perspective on God affects every area of your life. And your perspective on who God is affects how you pray. So it's important for you to know that He is your Father. We talked about if God already knows, then why pray? Why ask Him? We looked at the the idea of the fact that, uh, that God, if he's already decided everything, then, then what can you accomplish through prayer? We looked at the extreme teaching on the sovereignty of God, that everything has already been established, that he's already that predestined everything to happen, and no matter what you do, it's going to make no difference. I believe that's contrary to the teaching of the Scripture. I believe that God is sovereign and almighty, but I believe he's placed a tremendous responsibility and opportunity in the hands of you and me, in the hands of believers, and that as we pray, it makes a difference. Yes? You know, let's get to where when, when we pray, we believe it's really going to make a difference. We looked at uh, praying in partnership with God of what it meant to be a co-laborer at God. We looked at walking in prayer. We did a prayer walk, which was an amazing time together. We looked at the importance of prayer as an act of love and praying for one another, an intercessory prayer. So many different things you and I have walked through over the past several weeks. You know, communication is the lifeblood of relationships. For instance, in your marriage... In your marriage, if you just kind of speak to one another in passing once or twice a week, then that's not going to be very good for your relationship. And oftentimes, we treat communication with God that way. That it's important that prayer, we understand, is communing, communication with God. And if we just talk with Him when we're in emergency or just in passing or just over a meal then it's important for us to see that we'll never really develop the kind of prayer life God wants to develop because it's, it's prayer is necessary for us to build the right kind of walk and daily relationship with the Lord. It's one of the building blocks for a strong spiritual life. And if you're going to build a foundation, if you're going to have building blocks, if we, you and I, if we leave out prayer, our life as a believer will never be what God wants it to be. So you see, this is vitally important. That's why we're spending this time in it. And... As we've learned to pray, we, all, we know that there are certain elements that are involved in praying. If we begin to practice this, it, it makes prayer, I'll put it this way, it makes prayer easier. 
maybe less of a challenge. Because what is the challenge most of the time when you say, well, I just need to pray more. I'm going to pray more. Well, it's getting in the right mindset. It's getting to a place where when you start to pray, a couple things are usually going to happen. The enemy's going to begin to point out all the things that are going on in your life that makes you unworthy to pray and expect God to hear you anyway. So you're already beginning to move in doubt. You're unworthy to pray. Or the other thought that will come is, uh, actually thoughts, is the fact that as you begin to pray, your mind will begin to wonder and you think about all the other things that are going on that day or all the things you need to do. And so prayer never really gets anchored into really focusing on God. This is something you and I must learn to do. It doesn't come automatically. It doesn't. Now, some people seem to be able to... It, it takes effort for everyone to commit to prayer, but some people seem to be such a natural in this. It's their heart that they flow, they move in it more naturally. Thus, they'll probably pray more often than the average believer, and they'll pray it longer. Their prayers will be lengthier. But it's important for all of us to learn that God has established in us the ability to learn how to pray. The disciples, when they heard Jesus praying, they said, man, I want to learn how to pray like that. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, and he gave them a pattern to follow. And we haven't walked through that specifically, but basically... The way you focus your prayers is that when you begin to pray, now I understand there are prayers when, that are immediate needs and you call out to the Lord, right? There are situations to where, I mean, it's just bang, God help me or God work in this situation. There are times when that happens. I mean, that's just pinpoint praying. But in our daily prayer life, it walks, there's a method to it. And it walks through certain steps or elements. And I believe that the Lord taught us through the, the Lord's Prayer that it's important for us to begin by acknowledging the greatness of God and worshiping Him. And as you begin to praise Him and worship, it's good to include some Scripture. Go to the Word and look at it, particularly in different places of Scripture. You can see different ways you can praise the Lord of His greatness, of His goodness, of His faithfulness. And as, as you do that, you're, you're entering in. You're entering in. And so often... We leave that part out. We just immediately go to making a request. So make time when you begin to praying, maybe in worship, maybe quietly, listening to praise music or, or looking into some of the great worship uh, scriptures and just begin with a time of adoration and worship. Then as you do that, I, I think we are drawn into a place of recognizing that the Lord may begin to show us certain things in our life where he wants to tweak some things that maybe need to go, some things we need to confess. And I think when we begin in prayer, then we, we see things about ourselves and we lay that before the Lord. We confess any sin or areas of disobedience. And Lord, forgive me of that. I want to approach you, Lord. I do approach you through the blood. I, I know I can come to you boldly and without fear. But Lord, I just want to come to you with a pure heart. Forgive me and, and, and be quick to, to go to him that way and know that he forgives you. When you do that, confession. And then once you've done that, I think you begin to move into a place of making requests, of asking God. Ask. I mean, that's usually what the connotation we have with prayer is asking God for something. But that's just a part of it. So we start asking. And I, I think the best way for us to start asking is to ask in reference to helping others, intercede for others, pray for others, pray for their situation. 
then don't be ashamed to come to him with your request. Lord, I call on you. You said if I'd ask, I receive. And so you ask, and that's important. So you start with adoration, worship. You move in as the Lord begins to reveal things in your heart. You confess uh, before Him your willingness to bow before Him, to worship Him, to let Him work in your life. Lord, forgive me. And Lord, I know that I... And begin to confess positively. I know that I'm your child. I know that I've been forgiven through the blood. And, and as you do that, you enter into uh, a sphere of, of, of His presence and your focus begins to be drawn into Him instead of everything that's going on around you. And then as you make your petitions, you can make them in confidence that He's going to hear you and answer them. And then what do you follow up with? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a word of faith. You have asked Him for something, and when you're thanking Him, you're saying, thank you, God, I believe you heard me, and you answered that prayer. Never, when you're in, in, in prayer, in your regular prayer life, praying during your prayer time during the day, don't omit gratitude and thanksgiving. So very important. And then I think we come full circle in our prayer time for him because as we thank him, we move back into praise. Praise you, Lord. You're good. You're great. Thank you, Lord. And if you move through that simple process in your prayers, then you'll begin to see that your prayer time can become more focused and more meaningful, I believe. Today, our focus is on prayer types. Prayer types or different kinds of prayer. Now, a lot of people don't realize that there are different kinds of prayers mentioned in the Scripture. And off, you know, just from off the top of our head, we can say, well, I know there are different kinds of prayers. There are long prayers and there are short prayers. There's uh, different postures or positions in prayer. You can have standing prayer, kneeling prayer, sitting prayer, walking prayer, which, by the way, is one of the most effective ways that I pray is walking. Uh, there are times you kneel before the Lord, and you're quiet, times you stand before Him. Uh, but but I, I suppose for me, something that helps me is to get to a place to where as I'm praying, I'm walking. So there are different positions you can have. Sometimes you pray in submission and prayer before the Lord, just on your face before the Lord. The position is, is, is irrelevant. But there are different positions that you can use while you're praying. There are different ways to pray, different kinds of prayer. There are singing prayers, meditation prayers, silent prayers, listening prayers. There's public prayers. There's private prayers. There's effective prayers. There's ineffective prayers. There's baby prayers. There's grown-up prayers. I think a lot of people get stuck back in their infancy when it comes to their prayer life. They never grow beyond God is great, God is good, thank you, Jesus, for this food, or, you know, whatever that form they use, you know. Uh, and, and that's okay for children to do that, and, and you know, I mean, that's fine, that's good to have a pattern. Um, we were some, with some of our grandkids one time, and we were at our table, and, and, and so uh, Deb said this, I said, Poppy, Poppy, pray, and pray say the blessings, what we normally say in the South, we're going to say the blessing. So I did. I said a simple blessing, you know, Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for, for our family. Thank you for this time that you've given us together and for all the blessings in our life. Thank you for this food and your blessings on it in Jesus' name. And, and they, they were kind of concerned about that, and they came to, well, Grant, I thought Poppy was going to say the blessing. Well, 
say the blessing to them was God is great, God is good. It was a form. And when I didn't pray that way, I wasn't saying the blessings. And for some people, the baby prayers, you know, praying at night, I, that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to, for it to be the last thing that you do. It, you know, it's a good thing to teach your children those different patterns and opportunities to pray. But as I've said before, please stay away from now. I lay me down to sleep. I don't want my child going to sleep if I should die before I wake. Uh, but nevertheless, it, I think a lot of people never grow beyond those childlike prayers. Now, we're supposed to have a childlike approach to God in faith, but we're supposed to grow up and mature in our prayer life. And as you do so, you'll begin to see more and more, more that God does more and more things in your life. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. I'm going to walk through this rel- relatively uh, uh, fast. I'm going to go through it rather quickly this morning. I just want to point out these types of praying and, and what that should mean to us. Okay? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The scripture says there, it says, praying always with all prayer. Uh, praying always, now that, that tells us it's supposed to be continual, with all prayer, which to me is indicative of the fact that there's different kinds of prayer, all prayer, different types of prayer. With all prayer and supplication, we'll look at that a little bit more later, a petition and request, pray in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance, stick to it, stay steadfast, and supplication for all the saints. Pray always with all prayer, supplication, petition, in the Spirit. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore I exhort, I plead with you, first of all, that supplications or specific requests, that prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Different kinds, flavors of prayer. I want us to walk through seven of those. And I named seven because it kind of helps connect it as you walk through it. And I also can name seven because it tells you how close you are to getting to lunchtime. Yeah. Understand that sometimes seven can last a long time. <laughs> well, the first kind of prayer, we've alluded to this just a little bit earlier, is the prayer of worship and thanksgiving. I just put the two together. Worship and thanksgiving. You're not asking for anything. You're just praising him, coming before him. Now, a great help in that is to go to several of the Psalms. There's so tremendous Psalms that you can go to that where David and, and other writers in the Psalms are just talking about the greatness and the awesomeness of God. And just begin to say that and pray that and speak from your own heart as you enter into worship. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, it started with our Father who art in heaven, you're exalted, hallowed, holy is your name. Jesus said when you approach the Father, approach it with adoration and worship. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always. 
we could spend a lot of time there, but I'm just going to move it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, continually, persistently, in everything. Pray without ceasing in everything, no matter what your circumstances are, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No matter what you're going through, give thanks to the Lord. Just an aside here, I want to be very careful to, to put this, and I normally do when we come across this verse. This is not saying that you thank God for the evil that's coming into your life or for the attack of the enemy, that you're thanking God for sickness because we don't believe that God puts that on anyone. But if you do face the attack of the enemy or if you are going through sickness or any other trouble, you still come to the Lord with thanksgiving knowing that He's your source and He's your healer and He's your provider. So no matter what you're going through, still yet you will praise Him and give him thanks. Look at Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Amplified Bible says, be persistent and get this, and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. We should intersperse praise and thanksgiving throughout our prayer time and through our life, throughout our life. The second kind of prayer, and many of these we've talked about uh, more specifically week by week, so I am, it's a little bit of a, of a review here as I name these, and that is the prayer of agreement. One kind of prayer is a prayer of agreement. We went into this in quite depth a few weeks ago. The prayer of agreement is when two or more people come together and agree with one another. The Bible says in the scripture, Matthew 18, 19, says if two of you, Jesus says this, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now understand, when you come together with someone to agree together, to connect together, to pray on a specific thing, two things are very important, at least two. First, you come together agreeing with what God says about it. The first agreement you make before agreeing with anyone else is you agree with what he says. And then when they agree with you, they're agreeing with what God says too. Because if both of you are agreeing for the wrong thing, there can be bad consequences. Bad results to that, it's true. But if both of you can agree as to what God says in his word, then there can be good consequences, good things that can happen. Now, it's not that it takes two people's faith to bring about something. The scripture is quite clear that you individually can walk in faith and you can ask and you can receive, right? So what difference does having someone else along so does it make your faith greater? Not necessarily. I think more than anything else, when someone comes along with you like this, there, there, there's a couple of things. It encourages you, it bolsters you in your faith. It's good to have someone standing with you, isn't it? Man, it's good not to be alone. It bolsters you in your own faith. And, uh, and also, I think it's like a cooperative effort joining together against the attack of the enemy. So I, I think the prayer of agreement, uh, it's not, some people take it too lightly. Will you agree with me in prayer? And yet they don't have the really the foggiest idea of what they should really be praying about. It's kind of like saying, will you agree with me in prayer? It's an unspoken, a silent request. Well, that's ridiculous. You can't agree with someone that has a silent request. You must know what God says about the situation 
You must be committed to praying according to his word, coming into agreement with that person, genuinely caring about them, and being specific about what you're praying for. Now, if you meet all of those requirements of praying together, I think you'll begin seeing great results when you find a prayer partner or find someone you can call and say, pray with me. We're going to come together in force here. So very important. It's not casual. It's a committed decision. And the Bible says two are better than one. It's good for us to have other people in our life. Good. And God has given power to the church to be in agreement. Nothing harms relationships so much as strife and division, right? Nothing. It's one of the greatest tools of the enemy to bring pain and hurt. We've all experienced it in our life, I'm sure. It hurts. It hurts you. It may hurt your family when there's strife in your home and your family. It hurts when there's strife in a church, in a body of believers. We've heard, uh, uh, and may some of you have experienced, these like horror stories of church congregations that were just uh, yang-yang and at one another and always gossiping and always finding fault with someone or finding fault with the leadership or attacking someone or belittling someone. And, and what, does that ever, what does that ever profit? How does that ever profit anyone in any way? It doesn't, except the enemy. The enemy is scared to death, we might say, would, is in, in, I think would be terrorized by a group of believers, by a family, and by a church that would come together and say, we are one in this thing. We are one. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the church, 120 gathered together, and they were in the same place, and they were not only in the same place, they were the same heart, they were in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came with great power. Listen, when a church stands together in unity, in vision, unity in purpose, and trusting God's word, a power is released that is greater than we could ever imagine. It can make an amazing difference. The third type of prayer would be, and, I, and I've coupled three things together here, and, and they're very close. And that's why I've coupled three together. Consecration, a prayer of consecration, dedication, and commitment. Would you say that when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, would you say that was a prayer of consecration and dedication and commitment to the Father? Of course. He prayed. Agonizing. You understand that when Jesus came to earth, yes, he was the Son of God, but he came, we call it the incarnation. He was born in the flesh. He was a human being. Without sin, a human being. And he knew what was just around the corner. Not just the excruciating pain and unspeakable suffering of being beaten and hung on the cross, ridiculed. That was horrible enough beyond our imagination. But taking upon himself the punishment and the pain that all mankind deserved because of our sin. He took that on himself. No words can describe that. He knew that was about to happen. And as he came and prayed, we put it this way. He said, Father, I've come to you, I submit to you. 
But if there's any other way, you know what he says? If there's any other way, God. Any other way, if there's any other way. This was his humanity. He was crying out. I mean, this was pain. So much that his sweat was, was blood. Remember? He said, if there's any other way, but Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't that consecration, dedication, and commitment? Did you know that I believe that, that the only place, that this is the only type of prayer where it is really appropriate to pray if it be your will? We already know God's will in every other aspect that I'm talking about this morning. We have it in his word. So what am I saying here? I'm saying when there are two alternatives and both of them may be godly or his direction, when we're seeking for guidance, God's word on a particular situation, we're not totally sure. How many of us have been to the place, Lord, I, I need your wisdom, I need your direction, I don't know what to do here. And you get this inclination, you pray, you're persistent in prayer for a while, and you get this inclination to go ahead and move in one direction. And look, this is just the way I think most of us have been over here. We come to this place, we begin moving, believing that this is what God has given us to do. Now, either choice is a good choice. Either choice, no, neither one is dishonoring God. Neither one, we could say, is really disobedient to God in that sense. And as we go in one direction, how many times we say, no, Lord, this is, this is, this is my best understanding now. This, from you, this is the best understanding now. I want to walk it out. Here's what we say. But I trust you, Lord. If this is not your best way, then reveal it to me as I begin to go and make the adjustment and I submit it to your will. We should never be afraid to submit to the will of God. You see, every believer in every prayer situation says, God, your will be done. But you don't, I, I think it's incorrect to include the phrase, if it be your will, if we already know what his will is. And I think one of the factors there is, is that the little phrase, if it be your will, sounds to be very religious. It sounds just a very, the thing proper, the proper thing for a Christian to do and pray. Lord, if it be your will, if it be your will. The problem with it is that oftentimes the little phrase, if it be your will, is an out that we provide for ourselves. That if it doesn't happen, then we say, well, then it just wasn't God's will. Listen, God does not want us to walk in doubt as to whether something is his will or not. That's why he gave us the book. That's why he gave us the word. And you cannot pray in strong faith to receive and believe from God if you're tottering back and forth as to know whether he even wants to do it or not. Now this is a strong word, but 
it's, it is an important word. In every way that we pray, we submit to the will of God. Every way. But when we already know His will in a situation, beware of coming back into a place of doubt and a place of wavering. We say, Lord, I'm praying for this. I'm believing this. I believe this is what Your Word says. But if it's not Your will... Remember the man who needed healing who came to Jesus? Lord, I believe you can, you can heal. I, I believe you can heal if you will. Jesus answered with two words. I will. I will. We don't have to wonder what his will is. We don't. Now, consecration, dedication, commitment. You know, the leaders came together in the church and they prayed and they fasted. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul. He said, set apart for me Barnabas and, and Saul or Paul for the work. This was a prayer. Commit them to the work. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you or I plead with you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or proper worship. God can really lift us up if we'll come to a place of bowing low or on our face before Him or just saying, Lord, I submit this whole thing to You. I believe You'll bring Your Word to pass. I submit myself to You. I dedicate myself to Your purpose. Consecrate me, Lord. Help me to walk in holiness and purity unto You. So very important that this is a part of our prayer life. The fourth is type of prayer is a prayer of request. Or I'm going to use the word also supplication. Now some people say that supplication is another type of prayer, but I, I, I just link it up with request because that's what a supplication is, is a request or a petition. The word supplication is not really a different type of prayer. It is a different, it, it has a different tone to it when it comes to making requests. It's like, a supplication is, is like with earnestness, with great desire. When you supplicate, it's not just asking for something. It's calling out with a great and burning desire. Lord, do this. Lord, bring it to pass. God, I, I believe that you, you're going to do this in my life. I believe that these things are going to change. And you get, you get very serious about it in supplications. Now, it's not begging God. You don't have to beg God because he's not a reluctant father. He's a good, good father who gives. There's a difference between begging God and believing God. And believing God honors him much more. Very important. So very important. Requests, supplications. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. The Bible says, be anxious or for nothing or don't worry about anything. How many of you sinned in that area this past week? No, no show of hands, it's all right. <laughs> be anxious for nothing, for no thing. Don't be worried about anything. Now that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? 
Don't be worried about anything, but pray about everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. It's praying for something specific and particular. And usually that focus is praying for God to do it in your life, in your situation. The fifth type of prayer we'll call intercessory prayer. We covered a part of this when we talked about praying for one another, praying for others. And that's what intercession is. It's standing in place or praying in behalf of another, praying for someone. It should come from a person who has a heart for God and has a heart for others. And intercessory prayer uh, sometimes can, uh, I think all of us are called to intercede for others, but I think there are certain people that are called to a place of intercessory prayer that is deeper and stronger and more focused than the average Christian is. But all of us are called to intercede and pray for one another. Paul said in Romans 8 uh, that Jesus is our intercessor. He said Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he's sitting at the place of honor at the right hand of God and what's he doing? He's interceding for us on our behalf. Philippians 4, Paul said whenever I pray, I make my request for you. I intercede for you with joy. And when you intercede for someone, it's important to be persistent, stick to it, and stay patient. Stay patient. And I'm going to list number six as a separate kind of prayer, but I'm going to try to define more clearly what I mean by it. I refer to it as the prayer of faith. In James chapter 5, it says that when you come together, you to confess your sins, pray for one another. And that uh, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church, come and anoint with all. And it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so the the problem with that is that some people have said, well, there's some prayers that are prayers of faith and there's some prayers that aren't. Well, that's true. But the only prayer that's effective is prayers of faith. So I, I want us to be careful of getting over here and thinking that the prayer of faith is something that's extraordinary to just be used in particular situations. No, I don't believe that's the case. Every, we're supposed to pray in faith in every situation we pray, right? In faith. And you know when you're making requests and you're asking and you're interceding for others, of course we're to pray in faith. By that we're praying, believing that God He's already done it through Jesus Christ and that God has promised it and we receive it by faith and it will come to pass. Therefore, I'm praying the prayer of faith. So when you're praying and making any request, it should always be in faith. Always be. But the the scripture points at uh, the importance of praying in faith for the healing of another person. So very important. Now, let me note here very quickly We'll get into this in another series. But every believer is to walk in faith. It's a gift. You couldn't have faith were it not for the grace of God. He gives you ability to believe. Now the choice to believe is yours, but he gives you the ability to believe. Does that make sense? He gives you the ability to believe. And So when you're open to him, that you can respond. He gives you ability to believe, to have faith. We know Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence, things you can see, evidence. It's the evidence of things you cannot yet see. It's evidence. Faith is the proof that it's going to come to pass, be manifested. 
Now, it's important that you apply the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. Romans chapter 10, 17, faith comes through the word, hearing the word. And then uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says that we're supposed to mix faith with the word. The writer of Hebrews says the word was preached to them, but it didn't profit them or do them any good because they did not mix it with faith. You can read the Bible all day, but if you don't, read, if you don't mix it with faith, it's not going to work. That's the mixture that works. Take the word, mix it with faith, and it produces. All of us as believers are to walk in faith. Not by sight, not by emotions. We're to walk by faith. We're to believe God. Amen? Every one of us. And faith is like the word is a seed. And as we plant the word in us, then it grows and it develops. And our faith becomes stronger and stronger. Faith is developed. Faith is a gift. And then as we grow in the word and we exercise our faith and use it, faith grows stronger. That's just the way it works. But in Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he's talking about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural works of the Lord and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he talks about the different gifts of, 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 of the uh, miracles. He gives the, the wisdom of knowledge, of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Of, he goes through all the, the lists uh, uh, and he names several, not just in Corinthians, there are others listed in, in other epistles there. But one of them, he says, the gift of faith. To, one, to some, the gift of faith is given. Now, why, if all of us are to have the gift of faith, I'll use little g, the gift of faith, that it comes to all of us as his followers, then why does it say that there is a gift, Holy Spirit gift, given to members of the body of Christ that's called the gift of faith? Well, this is a little side from what I'm talking about, but I think it's important for us to see that, yes, we're all supposed to walk in faith and believe God and trust Him and know that it will happen. But there are extraordinary situations and circumstances that come about from time to time when not of any faith that you've developed in yourself, not from any seed that you've planted within yourself, because that's important, you could be walking a certain level of faith, but when you approach something that's a crisis or a need or a situation and you're praying something supernatural and miraculous happens inside of you and you believe it. You know, that's God supernaturally endowing you with a faith beyond the faith you're walking in. I believe that. That's as far as I can go in that now. But I think that we need to separate. All of us are to walk in faith and pray in faith. Extremely important. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus over and over again said, Be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. And remember, when Jesus went to Nazareth, let me ask you a question. When Jesus went to Nazareth, did he suddenly lose his power to heal on that visit? He didn't lose his power. What changed? The people changed. The people changed. It was their faith that either, either shut the door on God's miraculous power or opened it. So very important, walk in faith. The very final one I want to mention, the seventh one. <laughs> I was concerned about this message because this is, a, this is a tough message to preach and maintain 
interest, it seems, to walk through these things, but I, I hope that you've gotten something from it. The, the, the last thing, I'm going to call uh, prayer in the Spirit. A type of prayer is prayer in the Spirit. Now, here again, let me say that generally speaking, when we pray, we want the Lord to lead us in our praying, right? Lord, show me how to pray. Yes, Lord, show me how to pray. But let's take it a, little, let's take it a step further. The Bible does talk about praying in the Spirit, prayer in the Spirit. Let me read uh, a couple of verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, with groaning which cannot be uttered or that cannot be expressed in words. There is a dimension of faith, of prayer, I might say. There's, there's a dimension of prayer to where when you're praying, seeking the Lord, yielding to Him, that you submit and allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you and to help you in your praying. How many of you have ever been, been in prayer at certain times? You're following the leading of the Holy Spirit and you're praying, but then you come up against a situation you don't know exactly how to pray or it's, it, it's something that's challenging for you to pray about. What happens? What happens? What happens? Either we get confused or we step away or we blindly walk through it or what? We trust the Holy Spirit to help us know how to pray. The Holy Spirit will move inside of you and guide you in your praying and pray from within you, as, as, as interesting as it may sound to some. All of our prayers are to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are times when we, when we are uh, dealing with certain situations that we ask and that God is faithful that supplies the power and the anointing of His Holy Spirit to help us pray in particular situations. Two things here. Yes, three. General praying led by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, praying with groaning that cannot be uttered. In other words, praying without the use of words. That's what it literally says. That's what that verse says. How can you pray without the use of words? I think any of you that have prayed with any earnestness at times and you've been dealing with maybe some very difficult, challenging situations and you sought the Lord over it and you were praying and, and as you prayed, you came to a point where something rose up inside of you and you literally began to not say words but to groan. To groan. It moves so strongly. Oh, and you begin to, to, to express that through groaning. As you were doing this and you were not saying a word, something was happening within you as the Holy Spirit was helping you pray. That you, you may or may not have experienced this, but the Bible says that when you really are dealing with so many situations, the Holy Spirit's there to help you even when you don't have the words to say. And, and I think there's a, one other side to that. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And also from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I think that every believer can pray in the Spirit. I think there are uh, 
different ways you can pray in the Spirit, but according to Jude and according to 1 Corinthians 14, I think that there's also a way, and Paul talks about it, praying uh, with understanding and praying with the Spirit. And by praying in the Spirit or with the Spirit there, it's praying in a supernatural, what's often termed a prayer language. Now, sometimes this shocks people. Sometimes people back away from that, depending upon their theological background and where they are in it. There's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be confused about, really. Look at what the Word says about it. And the truth is, I think for many in this congregation, this is a part of your prayer life. As you're praying, you move from your ability to express something where it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And yes, that can be in what is termed a prayer language or supernatural language. It is available, I think, for everyone in prayer. It's not heretical. It's not anti-Christian. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still available for us today. So pray in the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to take the lead in praying for us. Seven things we mentioned this morning, but the bottom line is it's not so much about talking about all the methods and the ways and different types. It's about doing it. It's about practicing it. It's not about following a certain set of rules. You may be facing some kind of difficult, challenging situation. The enemy may be coming against you. You're living in the world, but as a believer, you're not of it. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're a child of the king. You can overcome because of him. When attacks come against you, come against your marriage, come against your family, come against your finances, come against your body, come against your job, remember, prayer is indispensable. And God has shown us how to pray in these particular ways and when we don't even know how to pray adequately, the Holy Spirit will come and help us pray. You and I cannot succeed as a Christian without an active and effective prayer life. That's just true. But I want to leave you with this. The different kinds of prayer, all of them the Lord has given to us for our benefit and for spiritual growth and to give us the tool to reach out to others.